The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Well, this morning, I really don't have a scripture for you to turn to. We're going to turn to a lot of different scriptures, but we're going to start over in Mark chapter 3. And we're going to look in Mark chapter 3, verse 18. And if you turn there, you're going to look at that and you're going to think, well, what? how can you build a sermon out of Mark chapter 3, verse 18? But you know, oftentimes when we uh, come and whether we're in Bible studies, where we're that uh, message from the pastor, whatever setting we're in, a lot of times we talk about what Jesus did for us or we talk about our role as a Christian. We may talk about responsibilities, obedience. We've been talking about faith over the last several weeks. We talked about love last week. We may talk about belief. We may talk about security. Uh, on and on and on, whatever sermons you've heard, but, but there's not that often that we talk about really what Christ sees in you. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning what Christ sees in us, in Mark chapter 3, verse 18, it simply says this, Philip, Andrew, Bartholomew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot. And we read that, and there's a bunch of names, and if you've been in church for a, uh, any amount of time, then you probably recognize some of those names. You may recognize all of these names. I want to talk to you today about a, a band you probably don't know nothing about. In fact, uh, I don't know much about him myself, and uh, this, uh, he's, a, he's a, a part of a group that's more famous than the Beatles, I would say, and probably everybody's heard of them, uh, but you may have not heard of his name, and he did great things, but there's no record of them, but he, he did some great things. He helped change many lives, but so many people still can't tell you his name, and <coughs> excuse me, his name was Thaddeus. This morning, uh, we've already read that name, and if I had asked beforehand, who is Thaddeus? I, some of you would have probably said, well, he was one of the disciples. Uh, but anything beyond that, I would say, who was he? And I would imagine that most of us wouldn't know. We've probably all heard of, of churches like Shadow Mountain Church, or maybe Bellevue Church, or First Baptist Atlanta, or... First Baptist Dallas, or maybe you heard of Woodstock at least, and uh, we may have heard of names like Adrian Rogers, or Charles Stanley, or John Piper, or Robert Jeffers, or David Jeremiah. We, uh, we start talking about folks, and a lot of times we recognize them because of the place they are and the things they have done, but what about Brother Smith that preaches at Little Town Baptist Church somewhere. He's been faithfully pastoring there for uh, about 20 years to the same group of about 40 people. And our brother Johnson that's been to seminary, and as he went through seminary, he's been preaching uh, at the same church there to a, a congregation of about 50, and he's been going and working full-time job and, and uh, just trying to pay back student loans. And <clears throat> we would say, well, I've not heard of him, or I've not heard of that person you're talking about. And uh, since we haven't heard of them, does that mean that Brother Smith and, and Brother Johnson are unsuccessful because we haven't heard of them? Well, you would say, of course not. Well, if they're not a part of a growing, thriving church in a, mono uh, a big city somewhere, well, does that mean they're not successful? Uh, of course not. I think what it simply means is they are, they are working where God has placed them. 
And, and I'll tell you, those names are just fictitious names, but we could uh, probably think of folks that we know, maybe uh, if we're some other, from some other town, we know of some church we've been at or some church we've been a part of. And if you were to start telling the story about Brother Lynn, uh, he's a friend of mine that pastored. Uh, you talk, tell a story about Brother Calvin. He, he's the guy that, that uh, performed Denise and I's wedding ceremony. And actually, John's kind of named after Brother Calvin. And uh, I remember when John was born, uh, Calvin come to the hospital. He said, well, I want to see my namesake. <laughs> so I said, well, I guess he, it is Calvin, it's John Calvin. So, uh, uh, But we don't know some of those people. But that, that doesn't mean that they're any less successful than those we do know. And that's what I want us to talk about today because I, I want to offer to you the idea that if you're where God wants you to be, if, you were, if you're where God has placed you, uh, then you're being a success in God's eyes. And over in second, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, Paul tells us, whatever you do, just whatever you're doing, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as though you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. And, and we need to understand this. We, you may be a, an owner of a multi-million dollar corporation. You may own a, a houses and lands and businesses and be a multi-millionaire and still be unsuccessful in God's eyes. Or you may be a janitor that works at that business and be a huge success in God's eyes because you're where God wants you to be. So, so when we begin to look at things, the world sometimes looks at, at that owner of that multi-million dollar corporation and says, man, I, that's the guy I need, that's who I need to be, and that's where I'm headed. And the world may not even know there's a janitor that works there, but in God's eyes, that, that janitor is the one that's a success, the one that's there, that's blooming, that's, that's, that be, that's being where God wants them to be. And the problem is, we kind of get sucked, in, sucked into this ideal of how society measures success. In churches, in our homes, in our everyday life, society kind of measures our success by how big our home is or how big the church is or how big our, our uh, account is or uh, how many baptisms we had last year or how many things are coming in this next year. There's, there's all kinds of different ideals about how we measure success. But as we look at the Word of God, we'll find that God doesn't measure success the way that, that man does, and, and the world may look at us as a failure, or as a worthless person, or as a nobody, and you may have heard that so many times, you may have heard it uh, whispered to you, the enemy may have come and told you that, but here's what we need to understand, if we're a child of God, we're special. You know what, that's a good place for an amen. If you're, a, if you're a child of God, you're someone special. And if you're a child of God, you're greatly blessed and you're highly favored. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. I want us to take some time to look at Thaddeus' life and, and see through him what Jesus sees in us. And, and what I want us to do as we do that, we've got three things I want us to think about this morning. I want us to consider... Uh, as how the world may look at someone like Thaddeus, that we don't know his name, we don't know much about him, and how God might look at that person. And I want us to kind of see ourselves through God's eyes, and I want us to see ourselves through what Jesus sees in us. So this morning, hopefully you can do that. And the first thing I'd like for you to see is this. People may not know your name, but Jesus does. 
The world may not know your name. People from your community might not know your name. I, you know, a lot of you folks have grown up here and, and lived your whole life here. I, I've been here for 20-something years. And uh, people will say, well, you know, oh, you're, you're from uh, East Delta. Or you, you live in Charleston. You know so-and-so, don't you? No, I don't guess I know. I can't believe you don't know them. They've been there forever. Or, or when, I was, uh, when I was out on a service truck working for Encore, here's how, some of the directions would be. Go down to Jim's Old Country Store and turn left and, and go down to where the mill was and turn right. Well, that store's been gone since 1930, and the mill's been gone longer than that. But, but over time, people just picked up that ideal, and, and they just knew those things. And you may say, well, well I'm not there. I'm not one of those persons, and, and people don't know my name. You know, when we talk about Thaddeus, he had several names. If we go and look in Scripture, he's called Labacus in Matthew 10.3. He's called Judas, the brother of James, in Luke chapter 6.16. He's called uh, Judas, not Iscariot, in John 14.22. And he's called Thaddeus in Mark 3.18. You know, in all of us, there's kind of a human desire, I think, probably, probably built in us that, that we want some measure of recognition, I mean, everybody kind of wants a measure of recognition, and people go to great lengths to stand out from the crowd. You know, people today, they, they want to be unique, they want to be different, they want to have something about them that makes them stand out in the crowd. I was thinking about a few years ago, Prince William in England, he was the heir to the throne, and uh, he had a brother named Prince, Her- Prince Harry, and do you know how they referred to Prince Harry? He was referred to as the spare prince. <laughs> now, wouldn't that be great? Just to be referred to as the spare? In other words, he, he, was, he was simply the spare if the chosen one couldn't fulfill that crown. So he lived a life that simply was known as he's so-and-so's little brother. He's second in line. He's the spare. And I think sometimes in our life... Uh, we may feel like that's where we are. We're, we're, we're so-and-so's relative. We're so-and-so's little brother. We're so-and-so's child. We're, we're kind of the spare. And we're not the chosen one. But that's not what Jesus has to say. You know what? If you look at what we just saw in John 14, 22, what was Thaddeus called? He was called Judas, Ju- Judas not Iscariot. You know, y'all don't know who Judas Iscariot was. He's the one that denied Christ. He's the ones that he's the one that that turned Jesus into the to the the Sanhedrin and and betrayed him with a kiss. So so people would say, well, that's that's Judas, not Iscariot. He's just Judas. You know how how would you like to be referred to as that? That's that's kind of what we see and kind of what we had in Thaddeus's uh, Thaddeus's life. So so throughout the Bible, you won't hear Thaddeus. You won't hear about him preaching a powerful sermon. You won't read that anywhere in Scripture. You, you won't see him specifically healing someone that was sick. You, you, won't, you won't read that he ever cast out a demon. But you know what? I believe it's probable that he did all of these things. And why would I believe that? Well, if you go over to Mark chapter 6, verse 7, listen to this. This is what the Bible records. Calling the twelve to him, this is Jesus... He began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over impure spirits, 
And they all went out and they preached that people should repent. And they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. See, Thaddeus may not have been a Peter. He may not have been a James or a John. He may not have been an Andrew. He may not have penned the gospel. He may not have written any epistles. But you know who he was? He was Thaddeus. And, and we may look at other preachers or teachers or singers or, or different groups of people and say, you know, boy, I wish I was like them. I wish I had their talent. I wish I had, I wish I had their opportunities. You know, if, if I'd ever had that opportunity, there's no telling what would happen. Here's the truth is, you're not them. I can tell you when you go to, when you go to seminary or when you get around a group that's, that, that are young preachers, young men, I was there one time, and, and you know what everybody says? Boy, I want to be like Billy Graham. I bet they're glad they're not like Billy Graham today. Well, that may not be true. They're, they're, Billy Graham's at home with the Lord, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, uh, everybody said, I want to be like Billy Graham. Boy, I want to I wanna have the, the thousands and hundreds of thousands that, that come and listen, and I want to stand out, and I want to be that person. And the truth is, we're not Billy Graham, and I'm not Billy Graham, and, and I who I am because God has called me, and He's put me where He wants me to be. And I think that's, in, that's important for us to, to realize that, that those opportunities that others have and those talents that others have, that's not you, and that's not God's path for you. And the great thing is, your path is better than theirs. Why? Because it's the path God has for you. And if you're on the path that God has for you, you're in the perfect situation. So when we think about this, the world may not know your name. You may never see your name in, in marquee lights, or your name may not go down in history somewhere as discovering some great thing or doing some great thing. But you know what? Notoriety of man fails in comparison with notoriety of God. Amen? And we need to realize that God knows our name. Here's the second thing. People not, may not realize your worth, but Jesus does. They may not realize what you're worth, but, but Jesus does. Look in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. And Jesus went up on a mountainside, and He called them those He wanted, and they came to Him. <clears throat> and He appointed twelve... Uh, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. For whatever reason, we don't have an in-depth record of Thaddeus' service as a disciple of Christ. But what we do have is we know that Jesus called him out. Think about this. Jesus selected only 12 disciples. He selected only 12 people that followed him everywhere. He taught them his ministry. He taught them how to preach. He taught them how to provide the good news. He taught them how to present the gospel. He chose those 12. So when we think about Thaddeus, well, we don't know anything about him. We know this, that God looked at him and he realized he was of great worth. He was of great value because God called him out. So I want you to think about this. If you're a born-again Christian, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says none of us come to Christ unless we're called. None of us come out of our own accord. None of us say, you know what, today's the day I'm going to be saved. We only come to Christ through the calling of the Holy Spirit, through the wooing of the Holy Spirit. And out of 6 billion people in the world, or, or more than 6 billion now, several years ago, that was, that was how many? Out of 6 billion people in the world, God looked at you, and He chose you. 
And He called you out. He said, you know what? You're something valuable. You have great worth. And I want to call you. And, and I want you to come. And I want you to be a part of my plan for your life. So if we look around and we say, well, you know, people don't know me. People don't know who I am. Know who I am. Remember this. Jesus does. He knows your worth. And He saw a potential in you. He, he's placed you as a minister for some reason where you're at. You know that when we're born again, we're all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't save us just to come set soak and sour. He saved us to, to go out and be a minister. He, he saved us to go and be His worker. And whether He's placed you in a factory somewhere and, uh, and put you in a little corner of, of some area, He's put you there that you might be His light, that you might shine His light to those you work with. He, he may have put you as a, a work on an assembly line somewhere and you say, you know what, I just, I just put one little piece on this thing is as these as these things roll by this is my job all day and this is all I do y'all remember I love Lucy and Ethel and and all they had to do is put one little candy in a bag you know that's all they did just how mundane would that be every day and and that's kind of what they thought till it sped up you know and things started moving too fast well realize this whatever it may be Whatever God has called you to do, whether he, wherever He's placed you at, maybe you're a mother or a father or you're a grandparent, and you say, you know, I just, I'm just at home all day now. What impact can I have? Well, if you're in that situation, you have a great chance to have an impact, an eternal impact on your child or on your grandchildren or on people that you minister to. So, so whatever God has chosen you to do, wherever He's chosen to place you, you have a calling because He's placed you there because you're of great worth to Him in that area. I think I've told you all this story before. Uh, I was a youth minister up at, at Fairview, and that's kind of in the Metroplex. It's right in the middle of the Metroplex, actually. And, and a friend of mine that was a youth minister at First Baptist McKinney called me and said, we're having a disciple now, and I want you to come teach one of the classes. And, and I said, okay. He said, i got the special group of boys for you that I'm going to give you. I said, okay, that'll be great. Well, I got up there. You know who they were? Les... They were boot-scooting, tobacco-chewing, cowboy-hat-wearing boys from high school. And he heard me talk, I guess, and he said, Man, I'm going to put you with them because y'all are all the same. Y'all are going to fit together. Now, you know what? That wasn't an insult. Because these boys went to First Baptist Church in McKinney where, where, you know, the preppy kids went too. And you may have been a preppy kid, or you may have been a goat roper, or you may have been a punk rocker, whatever you were. You know, we had all these little labels for people in, in McKinney. But he said, you know what? These just are these old country boys over there. And, and that's, Jake, that's where I see your ministry at. And, and would you come? And you know what? Me and those guys had a great time. Because we kind of related to each other. See, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I could say, well, I've got this old country twang voice, and, and I, can't, I could never minister in a metroplex, and, and that was wrong because God said, here's where I want you to be, and here's an opportunity for you to minister. And when you look at yourself, you can realize that, hey, this is who God has called me to be. He knows my name. He saw me, and He knows my worth. And because I'm worth what He sees in me, He's placed me where I can minister and where I can best serve. You know what the Bible says? Just as a little added encouragement, He said before the foundation of the world, He knew you. Isn't that great? 
Before the foundation of the world, you were precious to Jesus. And He saw you and, and He claimed you as His own. That's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. So, so we need to understand God realizes our worth. Not only He, he knows our name, he, he realizes our worth. But you know what? People may not recognize your effort, but Jesus does. Now this is the big one, and this is where we're going to close this morning. Did you hear what I said? People may not recognize your effort, but Jesus does. In my 54 years, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on Thaddeus. I don't know if you ever have or not. In fact, when you start looking and trying to put a message together, you will find very few messages about Thaddeus. Matter of fact, if you go try to read a book about Thaddeus, you probably won't find any. I mean, he's a disciple. He, he, there's no sermon series on the life of Thaddeus. You know, we could, we could spend the rest of this year and next year too on the life of Paul. And one of these days I'm going to preach a series on Paul, and I don't know how long it may go, but, but we don't find that when it comes to Thaddeus. We don't find those series of sermon. They, we, we, may never, we may never see anything about Thaddeus, but we know that God recognized his effort. He recognized that he was someone that was there. And, and when we think about ourselves, do you ever fall into this? People may never realize the things you do. People may never realize the, the hours that you spend at night dealing with situations. I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about where God has planted you. I'm talking about where God, where God uses you in His ministries. People may never know the, the, the financial sacrifices you've made to, to stay in the path that God has called you when you could say, you know what, I could have went this other direction and financially I'd be so much better. And people may not know that, that you've, you've given us some things because you feel God has called you into this certain area. People may not ever know of the emotional struggles that you've, that you've endured. People may never know of the things that you've missed out on and, and because you, you've tried to be where God wants you to be. But you know what? God recognizes your effort. He recognizes what you've done. Colossians 3.23 once again. For whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord and not for human masters. Now listen to this. Here's the rest of that we didn't read while ago. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you're serving. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart because God's going to reward your faithfulness. If nobody on this earth ever recognizes your efforts, God does. He sees you. He knows what you've done. He, he knows what you're doing. He knows that, that you've been moving forward, that you've been ministering in His name wherever you're planted at. And, and we don't want to waste time longing to be like somebody else or longing for a bigger opportunity or saying, boy, one of these days when I have these things and I'm really going to turn it on for the Lord, one of these days He's going to put me in a situation and, and I'm going to become great. F.B. Meyer said this, Don't waste your time waiting and longing for larger opportunities which may never come, but be faithful and handle the little things that are always claiming for your attention. We don't, we don't have the backstory on the life of Thaddeus, but we can be certain like Peter and James and John and Andrew and Levi that he left everything to follow Christ. We can be sure of that. 
Because that's what the Bible says about the disciples in Matthew 19, 27. Peter then replied and said, See, Lord, we've left everything that we shall follow you. And what then shall we have? Verse 28. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in this new world, when the Son of Man comes, when he sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on it. The twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You know, the world may not recognize your effort and, and they may never reward you down here, but what God was saying to his disciples is this, you know what, you have a reward coming from me. Mark nine forty one. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he'll not lose his reward. You know, a lot of times when we do things, I, I thought about that scripture in Matthew that talks about, you know, the Lord says, I came and you invited me in and you clothed me when I was naked and you fed me when I was hungry and, and all of those things. And, and they said, Lord, we didn't never see you hungry and we never saw you come and we never knew you came. And he said, what you do for the least of these you've done for me. When we minister, when we reach out, when we offer even a cup of water, in the name of the Lord, he says, I have a, I have a blessing for you. And you, you, you may say, well, that's all in vain. Nobody ever knew. Nobody ever knew that I went and I helped that person out. No, nobody ever knew. But you know what? God knows. And God sees that in 2 Corinthians 5.10. It says this, Every one of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may give or receive the things that he has done in this body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, now remember this, folks. Judgment seat of Christ is not where we'll be judged if we're lost or saved. That's the great right throne judgment. The decision we make on earth to be lost or saved is made on earth. It's not made in heaven. But when we're born-again Christians, when we've accepted Jesus Christ, there's going to be an opportunity, and we're going to stand before Christ. And we're going to receive rewards for what we've done. You say, well, I've never been rewarded on earth. I've done these things. I've helped these things. People don't know it. People don't appreciate it. People don't see it. Sometimes I just throw my hands up and quit and give up because nobody cares. Well, well, understand this. God cares and He knows and He sees. And He's keeping a record of those things. And as He keeps a record, He says this, I have a reward for you. Today, there's five rewards we're going to talk about. Don't worry, we're not going to spend any time on them. So you can breathe a sigh of relief. But listen, there are five crowns that the Bible talks about. The first is 1 Corinthians 9.25. And he says that while we work on earth, people work for for corruptible crowns or corruptible rewards. But, But God says this, I have an incorruptible crown awarded to those who are faithful to the Lord. When we're faithful to the Lord, you know what he says? When we, when we die and we go to heaven, he has a reward for us. And it's, it's, a, it's an incorruptible crown. He says in James 1.12, For the person who's endured, who, who's overcome temptation, those who have, who have tried to live their life and, and, and overcame temptation and endured the hardships, he says, For you I have a crown of life. And, and, and he's going to give us a crown of life. What's it going to look like? You remember vacation Bible school? When I was little, we had a scepter that had tinfoil around the top of it. And we had a crown like Burger King gave out. I don't think it's going to exactly be like that. I hope it's not. 
But, but I think when we look at what heaven is going to be like and how God describes heaven and streets of gold and walls and all of those things, we can realize that He has a reward for us in the crown of life. In 1 Thessalonians 2.19, it's what's called the soul winner's crown. Those that, that's led someone to Christ. If you've, if you've proclaimed the good news of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, He says, I have a, a crown of rejoicing for you. And he's going to give us that crown of rejoicing. In 2 Timothy 4.8, those who, who live in the light of Jesus' return, realizing that Christ is going to return at some point, and they look forward to that day, and they live in the light of that day, he says, I have a crown of righteousness for you. In 1 Peter 5.4, those who have been faithful ministers, who's, who's given themselves to lead God's people, Sunday school teachers, those who have been called into the ministry, he says this, I have a crown of glory for you. Well, I often thought, what are we going to do with those crowns? What do we do with our trophies so often? They, they sit on a shelf and gather dust, and, and uh, we're certainly not going to wear them down the streets of heaven, I don't think. I think what God says is we're going to, He's going to reward us a crown, and, and we're going to return that to Him. We're going to lay those crowns at the, at the feet of the cross, at the feet of Christ, and, and we're going to recognize that He has given us a place in heaven, and He has given us rewards in heaven. We don't know every detail about Thaddeus' story, but I can assure you this, He stored up for Himself some treasures in heaven. And while the earth may never realize that, while the people around Him may never see that, while we today can't say, well, let's make a list of all these things that Thaddeus has done, we can know this, God knows. He knew His name, He, he saw Him, he, he recognized His effort. And he says, I have a crown for you. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I want you to give that some thought of, of your great worth today. Just give that, give that, let that sink in just a minute. You're worth so much that God sent his only son. If it had only been one person, God would have sent his son. And Jesus came and he said, you know what, because you need reconciliation with your creator, because you need, you need a way back to God, I'm going to give my life. Because the wages of sin is death and, and there's, no, there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And, and Jesus said, I'm going to give my life, I'm going to, I'm going to die for your sins, I'm going to shed my blood. And, and I'm going to allow you to be covered with that blood, I'm going to allow it to cover you, that's... That's the worth that God saw in you. That, that Jesus left all of heaven and he came to be a man and he came to walk upon this earth and he came to be an atoning sacrifice for you. Have you listened to the attacks of the enemy? Somewhere along the way, have you, have you felt unworthy Have you ever questioned and, and said, you know what, I need to just quit. Nobody cares. I try to minister at my job. I try to be a shining light in the corner that I live in, and you, I don't think anybody notices. I don't think anybody cares. If you walked away, you probably were serving for the wrong reason. I, I want to encourage you this morning to remember who called you. Remember who sent you. Remember who enabled you to do His will 
His name in the Bible is Jesus. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. If you think you're nobody, you know what? God knows your name. God knows your worth. And God sees your effort. And because of that, He's waiting to reward us in heaven. I hope today, as we go from this place, you'll go with a joy in your heart saying, you know what, I'm... I'm worth more than I ever imagined. Satan will say, of course you're not. He's talking to those other people up there. Jesus Christ called you out of billions of people. He saw you. He called you. He desired to have a relationship because he knows your potential and he sees who you are and what you can be in him. Father, this morning, I, I just pray, Lord, that we wouldn't allow Satan to come and, and gobble up those seeds of encouragement that are sown today through an understanding of who we are and what you see in us. Lord, I pray today that we would leave here encouraged, knowing that we're of great value. It doesn't matter what the world has said. It doesn't even matter sometimes what we think of ourselves. I pray that our mind would be clear knowing that Wherever we are, if people know us, if people don't know us, if they recognize us, if they pat us on the back, if they don't pat us on the back, Father, that you're all seeing, you're all knowing. And Father, we're of great value and we're of great worth. From the, from the Chinese child that understands to the oldest adult that understands, you're of great worth to God. And Lord, I pray today that your spirit would teach us that, we would know that, and we would live our lives in the abundance of your joy. Father, you told us you came that our joy would be full and that our joy would be complete. And I pray that today we'd find our joy in your love and in our service to you. In Jesus' name.